Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds on KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cacciolillo, and today we have Mary Kay Greer. She has written uh, quite a few books on the tarot. She's one of the first authors that I, I started reading um, once books became accessible to me, um, and it has been a huge influence on me. And today we are going to talk about one of my favorite books of hers, which is called Tarot for Yourself. Um, for I, one of the reasons is too is like for a little while, like when I first started reading, it was almost like a taboo thing to read tarot to, for your, for yourself because I'm always going to be biased towards myself. <laughs> and, um, and and her book breaks it down into a different type of system, um, and makes the tarot a more of a tool for growth. And um, it's an honor to have you. Thank you for coming on. Well, thank you for inviting me, Gary. I'm glad to be here. Yes. So, so last night, you know, I, I had downloaded your book again. You know, it's been about 30 years since the first time I read it, and uh, and I worked my way through the first chapter of the book, and I wrote down my birth cards, and my zodiac cards, and, and everything. And uh, one of the things that surprised me is my my per perspective on these cars has changed a lot over 30 years mm. that happens <laughs> um so so how did you come up with this system first of all to you know figure out how to calculate these birth cards and like, like how did you come up with this it's it's, it's pretty unique it's simple but it's unique and it seems it's definitely on on target too for me. Um, actually, I learned it from a woman named Angelise Arian, who is, um, uh, was a teacher in San Francisco. And uh, she's written many books on her own, uh, including a tarot handbook uh, using the Crowley Thoth deck. And it turned out that although he didn't develop it, I found a one sheet uh, piece of paper from uh, Crowley that um, basically outlines the system. So he sort of discovered it. And then there was a numerologist right around the time of uh, studying with Angie, which would have been the very early 1970s, that um, also took numerology and applied it to tarot and came up with the same system. So it's one of those things that emerged uh, from quite a few different people, but it wasn't until Angie and myself started putting it out in books that it became more of a universal process that's used by a lot of tarot readers today. Okay. Um, I, I, say, I was really surprised by the accuracy of So would, would you be um, okay with uh, giving my, my, read, my listeners, <laughs> readers, uh, my listeners, uh, an overview of, of how to do this so they could do it themselves? I mean, it's, it, it was pretty simple to do. 
It's simple, but there's a few things that if you're not mathematically minded, um, appear difficult until you get it. So it, it's like I'm always surprised in, in groups that there's always a few people who are going, I don't understand. Basically, you take the month you were born, the day you were born, and the year you were born and add them together like, a, you know, an elementary school math problem. So at the top, you've got, um, you know, the months. Um, October 10, and then you have the date uh, underneath it. And then under that, you've got the uh, year and you add those numbers down vertically. Mm -hmm. So then you end up with a four digit sum. You then do what's called theosophic uh, reduction, which is that you add the numbers in that sum together. That's right. basic numerology. Mm -hmm. And that gives you um, a number well, it can be any number depending on the years that you're uh, dealing with and how big the numbers are. But um, for the most part, you can, there are numbers between one and 22 with a few going up to 23, 24, 25. Um, those, um, those are related to tarot cards. And if you get a number that's over 22 because there's 22 mm -hmm. major arcana, then you add those uh, those two numbers together. So they if you if your sum comes up to twenty four, then two plus four is six. six. So you're a lovers, which is mm -hmm. the sixth major arcana card. Um, for me, my numbers added up to an eighteen, which is the moon card in the tarot, and then I add the one and the eight again, and it's a nine. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a moon hermit. So you keep any number that's twenty two or below. And then you add any double digit numbers together and you can get a second card. In one case, you end up with three cards, which is 19. If mm -hmm. your sum adds up to 19, it's one plus 10, one plus nine, excuse me, equals 10. And then one plus zero equals one. So that's a very special group called the sun, the wheel of fortune and the magician, the 19, 10 and one. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I came up so with what numbers are you? <laughs> Wait, I want to know. <laughs> so, so uh, my my personal card, I I did, and it came out to be strength. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay, eight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, like like for for me, strength, the the card, like we when I refer when I you know. Obviously, there's different views on the word strength. Like most people think of somebody strong, they're just going to be firm, rigid, and, and, and yeah. you know, just, just sort of conquering. Like when I first think of somebody strong, I think of like, like Spartacus or something like that. Right. In the tarot card, it's completely different. It's like mm -hmm. uh, somebody taming a lion or, or taming the inner beast. Which is really mm -hmm. fitting for me, considering, like most of the time, I'm a pretty laid back person. But every once in a while, when I get angry, it's over. All bets are off. Uh huh. Uh -huh. You know? Interesting. Yeah, you let the lion out. Yeah. There's a saint card with the lion there. It looks like the woman's taming it, but it also could be, and depending on the deck, that the uh, lion is about to devour the woman. Mm hmm. So we tend to get fixated on one and don't realize that there's the potential for, for two there. So um, animals in the tarot usually relate in some way to the instincts. So our animal instincts. So it's whether or not your um, instinctual nature overcomes the more rational 
um, logical, even compassionate uh, nature of the human mind um, and is going to tear you apart or destroy something else. We've got in Egypt, Sekhmet, who's the lion um, uh, goddess, and at one point almost devours all the people in the world until they get her drunk and then she falls asleep. <laughs> so that's how they save the world by getting Sekhmet drunk. Um, so yeah, um, you know, it's got the two sides of this beautiful maiden who seems to be taming the lion. And then this red lion um, with his mouth open and is she closing or opening the mouth is one of the questions. Mm -hmm. um, and over the head of the woman is um, what's called the Lemnus Gate, which is the Lazy Eight, an infinity sign. And so that suggests the connection between these two opposite poles of this beautiful maiden who seems to be very gentle and this lion who is he being gentled or is he just waiting his moment? And as you say, there's times when that just takes over. Oh, yeah. And, and, and for me to do this morning was really appropriate because you know, yesterday I was at work and I've had this manager at my job giving me a hard time for about eight months. And yesterday I just completely unleashed on her. <laughs> and and um and I think a lot of people like my my, my supervisor thought that was a negative thing. However, uh -huh. me, I feel better now. I'm like, ah, it's <laughs> over. I I, I I I let that beast out to to, to to play and now I can put it away and I'm and I'm good for a while. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I think one thing is kind of explaining to the other people that it was, you know, a necessary um, release for you to be able to do that um, versus just kind of walking away of that's their problem if they don't like it. Um, because um, once you realize that it can be resolved, that, that something, you know, now maybe you all can work together better. Um, that can make, I think, a big difference to to see this marks uh, a shift and a change mm -hmm. and, as you say, a release. Um, interesting that you said you unleashed it on her. Um, I always, uh, one of the things about doing tarot is we're always <laughs> listening for the metaphors uh -huh. that uh, are spontaneously come up around a card. And so the leashing or unleashing of the beast is a perfect metaphor. I don't think I've ever used that before. Uh, for the strength card. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely perfect. You know, are you, is it leashed or unleashed? And um, of course, with that Lemniscate Lazy Eight, the two sides of the um, infinity sign, um, it's either or both. Yeah. And for me, like, I don't expect like the situation or even the other person to change. It's just that negative energy now is is not inside of me and i can continue yeah. on my own way you know mm -hmm. until it builds up again of course which is fine and yeah. if it takes another eight months <laughs> i'm good with that <laughs> <laughs> um so so yeah. how does the, the the personal card like what does that actually mean does that mean it's describing my personality my, my earth uh, there's different theories yeah, when I started out, there was a system that Angie had was the, the single digit number that everything reduces down to is your soul card. 
and it represents um, the major lessons that you need to learn over many, many incarnations. So it's always going to be there no matter how you incarnate. Um, and then there's a, usually a second, there's a second card that is either you either get numerologically or it's just the, the other card that adds up to mm. that single digit, which in your case is the star, which is 17, one plus seven equals eight. Um, so the, the star card in your case, I would imagine then is um, you didn't come up with numerologically. Mm -hmm. So that's your, your shadow. Um, that is seen as more of a personality issue for this particular lifetime. I've been doing this system for uh, 50 years plus, and I don't really hold to those categories anymore. I see them more as um, a dance, um, a, a, a bigger issue that can't be pinpointed in the same kind of way. But it's, it helps to start out with that more specific idea of it's a soul essence of lessons that you need to uh, learn over this lifetime. So one of your learning lessons is the balance between that instinctual nature and the more, um, I, I hate to say rational because it being a, a maiden, uh, it's mind heart. Um, and of course, heart and the lion is really important too. Uh, the strength of the lion the strength of um, compassion, I would mm -hmm. say, for the woman. Um, both are the, the task for you, is how to balance those energies within yourself. Great. And then the next card was the soul card. Now, if I, if I did this correctly, this is one surprise. The single digit is the soul card. So, oh, so the, that was the, the star? The double digit is the personality. Oh, so I did it wrong then, because I had... It's not wrong. It's just the label. So how I came oh. up with high priestess. Oh, oh. So uh, was that based on your um, on your name or what? No, I, I thought I had. I must have did the math wrong. So give me your birthday. It is December thirtieth, nineteen sixty-seven. You're December thirtieth, nineteen sixty-seven. Okay. Oh, there's um. I, I had mentioned to you earlier that uh, I'm a fan of BTS and one of the members of BTS. His birthday is December 30th. So you <laughs> and Kim Taeyong is are um, the same birthday. Very auspicious. Happy birthday to you, by the way. Thank you. So um, actually, your birthday adds up to 11. So seven and two is nine and six and three and one is 10. So your uh, um, four digit sum is 2009. Uh, so that adds up to 11, which then would make you a high priestess. Um, mm -hmm. So the strength card must have been for a, um, uh, I don't know if it was your year card or what, we'll look at that later. <laughs> so actually the high priestess um, and justice. So um, if you take out justice and high priestess and in the Marseille tradition, mm -hmm. they number the cards differently. Eight and 11 are switched. Okay. And so in the Marseille tradition, maybe this is where um, you well, got I, it. I did have, uh, the, I did have the high priestess. So I don't know. Yes, so you I did have the high priestess. Correct. So you're either a justice high priestess or a strength high priestess. Oh, so, so strength is So that's there. probably how I did it, strength high priestess. Yes, yes, yes. That would be the Marseille deck base, which is the French system. Mm -hmm. um, 
and yeah, that yeah, gets complicated to explain the why those numbers were switched. But I do want to say in the very earliest decks, um, there one of the earliest ones has strength and justice both numbered as uh, eight. And so there's always been this from the very beginning, back <laughs> in the 15th century, this conflict about which is uh, number eight and mm -hmm. which is number 11. So there's a reason for that, but we won't get into it right now. Um, so strength, um, high priestess uh, focuses very much on the feminine energy. Um, and again, the two sides, that, that focus of um, the lemniscate that we saw with the uh, strength card um, about the head of the maiden uh, is also part of this energy of two sides of um, the feminine or goddess energy mm -hmm. uh, that we see in, in those. I'm looking through my cards to pull out justice so I can just look at those two. Uh, there's also one other card that is um, adds up to um, a two and that's judgment. So yeah, in the system I work with. Too. That's yeah. the one I, I came up with. Uh-huh, yeah. So that one you didn't get directly uh, through the numerology, but it's the, the other two in the deck. I call it your shadow card, and Carl Jung said right. That's what I came up with. This my shadow. Yes. So um, very important, and actually, the whole set of cards around the high priestess and judgment have to do with um, what is good judgment. So it's kind of like a lifelong lesson for you mm -hmm. is coming up with what is the balance of energies that's necessary for good judgment um, so that we're not judging others. We're not judging ourselves inappropriately so that um, the hopes for a last judgment are ones that um, we can imagine, we can see as this balance of energies. Mm -hmm. And again, it's a similar thing of, just like we looked at with strength of the balance between the compassion and the uh, animal instincts or that uh, power to devour. Uh -huh. um, the high priestess is sitting between a black and a white column. Yeah. In some decks it's gray and, and black, but it's basically supposed to be black and white. And so the high priestess is in that middle position between all of those opposites, which is the task. How do you get to the center between the extremes on the, the opposites and how do you blend those in yourself um, with when we have justice high priestess the focus is on reason justice is the logical rational uh -huh. processes of reason and um, the uh, high priestess which is more about intuition so inner knowing uh, knowing without so much the words and the logical processes as knowing by the images and the emotional reactions that we have whenever we're presented with an image. Right. Um, so those are two different ways of experiencing truth. And judgment says we have to learn to use both. So, so judgment... It, well, was really interesting for me because and you mentioned in your book too is i would say like the 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 first part of my life i was really bogged down by judging everything other people 
everything I encountered, all I did was judged. I was pretty negative. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was completely unaware of it until I reached my mid-30s. And then it, I realized, it. I said, huh, I'm always judging things and making myself miserable. Why am I doing this? And ever since then, you know, it's become like this awareness game. You know, I was like, I have to, I, I got to catch myself in the process and kind of ask myself, like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, you, as you say, the most important thing is recognizing that you are doing it. Mm-hmm. Because we all grow up in whatever our environment is and take certain things for granted that that's how life is. Mm-hmm. So you started out with, you know, judging people and that's how you perceived. Um, I, a huge breakthrough just to realize that you're doing it and that's not the only way to experience life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it, then it, it's huge. Yeah. It, it changes my whole attitude towards everything. Yeah. 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 And, and I think the, the judgment is because it's very unconscious. The idea of the shadow is part of the unconscious. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a Jungian approach to tarot based on uh, the concepts of Carl Jung, the psychologist. Um, and so um, just becoming conscious of this thing is the hugest step you can make. Then you have options. And that's what we see in both justice and strength and, and in the high priestess where they emphasize these uh, duality of, um, and it's even more than two, but that we have options as to how to respond in mm-hmm. a situation. And it's okay if you have to stop yourself for a moment and you know, say to yourself, ah, I'm starting to, <laughs> to judge. Well, what, what do you say to yourself when that happens? I, I, I catch myself and I say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm judging, you know, this versus that. And then I kind of look at it and I, and I evaluate whether this first, I evaluate whether the situation actually needs to be judged or the person needs to be judged, like whether it's even necessary. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if I decide that it's necessary, then I turn to my intuition and go with that. Uh, if I decide that it's not necessary, I just let it go and move on to the next thing. Uh-huh. Okay, so that discernment that is there. Um, necessary and versus unnecessary. I was just thinking there was a, um, a Sufi um, perspective on what is truly necessary in life and can we let go of whatever um, in our life is unnecessary. So mm-hmm. recognizing that. Yeah, and I think that's, yeah, that's one of the hugest learnings. So it sounds like you've come to, um, you know, an appreciation of that high priestess perspective um, where I think she's able to sit there and evaluate um, those um, experiences on a feeling level. Yeah. Because she's more about the, the feeling of it. And um, and then you can turn it into a rational thing of okay I can do this or or do that mm-hmm. um, you know looking at your options. Yeah, I, I, that's that's another thing too. The high priestess card is I heavily rely now on my intuition more than anything else. I trust my intuition more than I trust other people's advice. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, even if on the surface, if I trust my intuition and I make a decision based on it and it seems to turn out negatively, I, I trust enough now that it was still the right choice because I had to learn from that situation. That's exactly what I was going to say. You know, a lot of times it's the learning in the moment. Mm-hmm. So, so I have to allow myself to really trust. Otherwise, I'm not going to learn the lessons that I'm supposed to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when, when you approach life that way, everything becomes a learning moment. So nothing is wasted in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, just my own experience of that was um, one time, the first time I did a major fair where for three days I worked, you know, 10 hours a day <laughs> reading, doing readings, huge number. Uh, but my very first reading was a woman who came up and, um, you know, asked for a reading. I had several books at that point. So I had my books out on a table and um, she looked at them and asked, you know, asked me to do it. And about, I went a little over time with her because it was the very first reading of the day and people hadn't really arrived yet. Mm-hmm. So she said, I'm not going to pay you because I wanted a psychic reading, not a tarot reading. And you read the tarot. I went, wait a minute, everything, my sign, the books on the table, were all about tarot. I said, you know, I'm not going to do this. Uh, So we went back and forth with it. And I realized I didn't want to argue with her. So I split the difference. I said, okay, you know, pay half and get out. (laughs) After she left, I said to myself, Okay, this is the very beginning of what's going to be a very, very long weekend. Um, what am what do I do with this? What's the lesson? Just like you. Mm-hmm. And I went into gratitude, which was a technique I had learned. So I sat there and just said thank you to her in my own mind until something came up that I realized what I was grateful for. And that was that I needed to be absolutely clear about what I did, because also I didn't do predictive readings. I I never have Mm -hmm. focused on that in my readings. So I came up with a short statement of basically one to two sentences that I refined over the entire weekend that I said the minute somebody asked for a reading. You know, this is what I do. Is this what you're willing to have? Mm -hmm. And everyone who said yes we had a little contract then immediately and i kept refining you know how i stated exactly what i did until it was clear that everyone understood exactly what it was so my point on that is um you know by taking that there's a purpose for it you can transform all of your experiences and by the way, in that weekend, everyone agreed to the kind of reading I did, except one person who said, you know, I really want to know what's going to happen. And therefore, I don't think you're the right reader for me. And I said, great. And I can recommend this reader over here. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and he was actually very pleased with that. We were both pleased. Mm-hmm. I needed a few minute break and he needed uh, something else. So um, I've used that ever since. And as a teacher, it's something I teach my students. You know, um, uh, it all came out of that moment right. where I was actually devastated by my first <laughs> client on this long, long weekend, um, you know, three-day weekend of readings. And um, so I think that's the way to live as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. 
I do the same type of readings too. I don't do predictive readings. I just, you know, I, I do standard spreads and I look at it and I interpret it the best I can. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, eat, I, I, you know, I've worked like psychic fairs and stuff also. And I've done a reading, I've done spreads where I look at it like, oh, this just makes no sense at all. Uh-huh. You know, and I'll just tell the people what's there and it makes perfect sense to them. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes we don't have the experience or background or whatever is happening at the moment to comprehend it. But yeah, if you ask the person, you know, just speak what the cards mean Mm -hmm. or what I tell people when in doubt, simply describe the card. Yeah. And there's something in the metaphors that we use in describing a card, like talking about leashed or unleashed, the beast in you. Um, you know, there's something about those words that trigger the right experience for the person. Carl Jung called it synchronicity, uh-huh. the idea that things that happen at the same time have a meaningful relationship. Yeah. So we're looking for meaning. Yeah. And I also, though, ask, like, like I'll ask people to think of a question, but not tell me. So, and, mm. and, and, you know, because I find it easier not knowing the question because then I'm not swayed to interpret exactly. things a certain way. I can still rely on my intuition by doing that. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best ways. I, I did that for many years at the beginning. Um, you know, not always, but in, in many, many cases and found it very powerful. But I do find now that um, I go deeper, faster when I do interactive readings. So mm-hmm. that's that's one of the things I explain to people. I actually guide people through doing their own reading, if even if they've never seen a tarot deck before in their lives. The images evoke all kinds of things. And I think everybody has the answer within themselves to their own questions, which is why I wrote Tarot for Yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I become, at least in part, in, in part of the reading, um, a guide for uh, their own process. That's great. It's awesome. Uh, the next card that I had did was my Zodiac card. And my uh-huh. Zodiac card was pretty appropriate. Oops. The devil. <laughs> Capricorn. <laughs> yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because How is that appropriate? Um, because definitely for my younger years, um, and even now, I mean, I'm still a really big fan of, well, I mean, I don't do drugs or a drink anymore, but I've always been a fan of the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, exciting type of lifestyle. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> and, 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 you know, everybody gives credit to the devil for, for those things. <laughs> yep. Yeah. They say the devil made me do it. Yep. So, so, so everything that's fun... <laughs> You know, kind of like the, the devil side of me. You know, and I've always been kind of, you know, even as a young kid, I I, I would do things that bad things because if it was bad, it must be fun. Ah. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, interesting. And also, like with, with the devil card too, is uh, to me, it always also represents a choice. You know. Mm-hmm. How? Um, well, the chains, the, 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 the people on the card are chained, but they're not chained tightly. They can take them off and walk away anytime they want. 
Mm. The issue is how many times do people actually come to realize that it's metaphysically that easy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know it's it's one of the big um, conundrums in the card and, and one of the most interesting aspects of it that the chains are that loose. Yeah, yeah. It's just to to me, it just represents that that these chains can be removed anytime. You know, mm-hmm. that that the that the devil is not holding them prisoner. He's not the one responsible for it. Yeah, it, it's the humans in the card that are respons- the responsible parties mm-hmm. because they're willingly they're willing participants in it. Yeah, definitely. They're. Um, when I teach, sometimes we have this experience where um, in, in certain contexts, we have people dress up as the cards and then do a group reading uh, with them speaking for the cards. And in one situation, I had drawn the devil. So I made a paper, paper chains. And um, when I was getting up to give my, my talk, my little spiel as the devil, I threw the paper chains out to two people in mm-hmm. the audience or in, you know, in the class and said, here, hold this. And of course, both mm-hmm. of them took the chains and held them. And then I just stood there and laughed and they all realized what they had done was they had willingly taken the chains. All I had to do was say, here, hold this. And that's what the devil does. That's how the devil kind of uh, captures us. And it's not until something wakes us up that we realize that we have that option. You said that there's choice involved, but coming to the realization of that choice is just like you were talking about earlier. It's one of those huge moments and a really big deal. And then acting on that choice, realizing Mm -hmm. that you um, can actually do something different um, is the next big step. Those are initiatory experiences. And also, you know, just this just came to my mind looking at the devil card, the high priestess card, is there's also some similarities even there. You know, the way they're the devil card and the what? The high priestess. You know, they're both ah. sort of hanging out on, on you know, they're both in a sitting position. Um mm-hmm. uh, they, they they both like the high priestess the the the, the, the moons almost look like horns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never uh, actually looked at the the horns on the headdress of the high priestess and the ears on the devil as being, um, yeah, in the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, almost exactly the same. Yeah, that's fabulous. Um, yeah, they're, um, they both have the, uh, in one case, the high priestess has the two columns and mm-hmm. in the devil, it's the two people um, that are on either side. Um, one thing I do um, when I'm taking people through an experience, and maybe you'll play with this a little bit, is that you pointed out um, one of the similarities and uh, a couple of them. What's the major difference between these two cards for you? Mm. you know, similarities and differences are really important when interpreting the cards. I'm going to say... The, the difference is the pillars versus the people. 
The mm-hmm. pillars are not going to move. They are a permanent fixture. Uh, they're 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 not they're they're. They're there. They're 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 law, where mm-hmm. the people have the choices. They can move. They have mobility. They think. They act on their own. So there's a free will aspect to the devil that's not there in the high priestess. Wow. <laughs> so where is that in your life? What is the what are the principles, the laws um, versus the choices? in, you know, maybe some situation that you're dealing with? I don't know about a specific situation, but for me, um, the one, thing, one of the things that I have learned is that by living by a certain set of rules or a certain set of laws actually gives us the ability to make choices. Mm-hmm. They complement each other. You know, I think a lot of people may view these as complete opposite. Like, like they are opposites. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're definite differences. But at the same time, they complement each other. You're not going to have one without the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you can't have freedom without something that you're freeing yourself from, which are those laws and rules and boundaries, which, um, you know, the absolutes. Um, mm-hmm. against which, as humans, we're always struggling. And, and the and other thing, I think, with the high priestess, too, is sometimes those pillars may represent time. Oh, and how's with, that? It, I, I, don't, I don't know why. I just always kind of felt that they might represent time. And uh-huh. in the devil, you have the people. When the people live within the confines of time and consciousness... Yeah, you know, we we live we're housed by time basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you see um, the two pillars, the black and white pillar and the high priestess as past and future, mm-hmm. then you've got kind of a basic thing. And then hum- humans are we're always in the present, and yet you know we're always thinking about the past or the future. And uh, it's hard for us to actually, even though we're always in the present, to actually experience being totally in the present. That's one of the things that meditation is based on. How do you get out of that um, being stuck, thinking about or reacting to the past or uh, future potentials and possibilities and uh, find that place in the center where we all exist. Yeah. And another thing I, I just noticed sitting here looking at the two together, and I've never noticed this either before, is the devil's head is shaped like a, the alchemical symbol for water. Mm. Or is it Earth? Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. Um, it's Earth, actually. Earth. Yeah. And, and and water, but um, they're the downward pointing triangles. Mm-hmm. Both of them. And and, yeah. and, and you know, there's a lot of lot of water in the uh, high priestess card as well with the the blue robe. Mm-hmm. She's associated with the moon, while whereas the devil's associated with the Earth sign, Capricorn. Interesting. Oh, you're coming up with great stuff. <laughs> I love this because I'm always learning new things about the cards, even after, um, you know, working with them for 50 some years. Yeah, it's, it's pretty endless. And then I, I, I did the, if I did this right, my uh, numerological cards are number two. Mm-hmm. 
And one of them also contains that symbol again. Uh-huh. Yes. The so, infinity so, so, symbol. So that just keeps popping up with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the whole theme of what we've been talking about. Um, every card that we've discussed, what you tend to focus on and see are these experiences of choice, of duality, of uh, recognizing the options. Yes. And uh, so there it is in the two of pentacles where the person is juggling two pentacles with this kind of ribbon in the infinity sign going between the two. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then the other card, you know, there's, there's the the two of swords. Mm -hmm. and, and to me, the two of swords, um, the, the blindfold is what is important. Mm -hmm. I, I I think again that sort of takes me back to the judgment. Yeah. Um wow. idea. So it, how does it, it hmm? how does it do that? How does it take you to judgment? Um the blindfold. There is no blindfold in judgment, by right, the way, for people. Right. I, I think the reason why is because because for a long time because because judgment was my hidden card, I was not able to see it. Therefore, mm -hmm. I was blindfolded. Oh. And it was until the blindfold's been taking off that I could see it and use these swords of intellect and reasoning mm -hmm. to manage the right. judgment. Oh, that makes that makes wonderful sense. Yeah. Because it's the shadow card. It's what's hidden. Mm -hmm. Yes. Wow. So am I on track? Yes. So awesome. that's two of them. You have pentacles and swords. How about the other two twos? Um, this one. It's the two of wands. The two of wands is a mystery to me. Maybe uh -huh. you can help me with this one. <laughs> Well, why I, don't you simply describe the card? Don't try to interpret it. Just if for viewers mm -hmm. who can't see it, how can you create that picture in their heads? Okay, we we, we have somebody who looks um, fairly young, like a page type of age. Um, he is holding the world in his hand, one hand. He's holding a wand in the other, and he looks like he's standing on top of a castle looking out or surveying the ocean or the landscape that is in front of him. So he's sort of gazing. He has the world in front of him too, or he's looking at the world in his hand. He's also looking at the world or whatever it is beyond him. Mm -hmm. um, now, I, I, I think what throws me off is... Uh, I mean, the wands are normally a creative force, from my mm -hmm. understanding. Uh, but in this picture, he is not creating. He is surveying a creation. So oh. maybe he's planning. Mm -hmm. Or maybe he's appreciating something that's already been made. Mm -hmm. Um. He is resting on the wand, which shows me that he um, leans on his creative ability, mm -hmm. at least partly. 
Yeah. Um, what seems to be his attitude towards all of what he's surveying? He very seems very non-biased. Um, he's just mm-hmm. there, there's no emotion really at all in his card. So I'm going to have to say that this is a, as far as the emotion is very neutral. There, there is no real uh, emotion yet. Mm-hmm. So it, um, at this point in your life, when you see the card in this way, because of course at other periods of your life, you might uh-huh. see it differently. Um, what is it that you are surveying um, as you stand, you know, You've got a support. Is is he looking at the world? Is he looking at the past? Is he looking at the future? Um, Is it looking at his his accomplishments? Is he looking at his dreams? Um, I mean, I mean, in the picture, he's holding a globe. Yeah. And and, you know, the globe is a map of of our world. And um, you know, I will say, I'm kind of a fan of globes <laughs> oh you've got one <laughs> i've always liked them for some reason because they kind of just show where i am oh. uh-huh. that might be it <laughs> so if he's standing there looking at this globe and contemplating where he is at the moment what would he be thinking I think he would be thinking about how he got there and where he wants to go next. Uh-huh. Okay, so where are you thinking about how you got here? Actually, we've been doing that through this talk. <laughs> and uh, and where you're going next. Um, well, I kind of Given know... Given all we've been talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I kind of know, like... Like, life has just brought me here. I, I mean, I kind of don't put a lot of effort into going in a particular direction in my life, really. I just kind of act intuitively. You know, I don't spend a lot of time plotting and planning. I don't plot my podcasts. I just kind of wing them and Mm -hmm. let the universe do all the work instead Mm -hmm. of me. Um, And for the future, I I have no plan on ever changing (laughs) that methodology because it's worked so well for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet you like having globes around you so that you can get a sense of where you are. So where you are is not necessarily the a plan. It's mm-hmm. more of something else. Yeah. I guess it would be the present moment. Mm-hmm. I, I would almost look at that as meditation, you know, when because I am a big fan of meditation. You know, meditation is really a big part of my life. And I just like to practice, you know, very simple breathing in and out, focusing on the breath and being in the moment. Because mm-hmm. the moment right now is the only thing that is real. The past isn't mm-hmm. real. Future is not real. Just this moment. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting in this card, he's standing um, on what might be the top of a castle where there's that um, crenellated, they call it, where um, there's a breaker open in the wall mm-hmm. um, in front of him. And he's between two wands. So there's a sense of being 
at an opening, but as you say, he's not actually going anywhere. So, you know, standing at this opening um, to all kinds of potential impossibility, but he's not doing anything about it per se. He's just being there. That seems a lot like how you describe meditation in a sense. Yeah, definitely. So if you look at him as being in kind of a meditative pose, um, more inward looking perhaps than Mm -hmm. the outward looking that you would expect normally as as you look at this card of somebody gazing out over the world and and kind of the environment in front of him um it's more like he might be just there in that moment yeah and also like the one like when i first started meditating the particular method that i learned was meditating with my eyes half open, half closed. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking half in, half out. Uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting. We're going back to those themes that we've been looking at with the high priestess and between the two columns, mm-hmm. the half in, half out, um, you know, being centered in that place in between. So aware of the options, but how do you stay present in that place in between? Uh, just And also the figures with the um, uh, chains around their neck, there's the option to go or stay, but it, the moment that we see them in the card, it's in that moment in between, the potential's mm-hmm. there to go. So being present in the moment, aware of your options, but what going forward moment by moment? Well, that would be me. <laughs> yeah. And then occasionally, as you mentioned with the strength card, you flip to one of the options in yeah. that moment. You flip to, you know, one of those polarities, one of those sides. Mm-hmm. And then come back to being in what the center of the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes the, the beast will come out and do his thing when it needs yeah. to, I guess. And other times the compassionate and loving side of me might come out when needed. Mm-hmm. And then I spend the rest of the time waiting. <laughs> waiting. And that's kind, of, way, what med- that's kind add- of what meditation is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The life between those uh, moments of being in timeless space and time. Yeah. Um, one of the other perspectives on the two of wands, which is uh, interesting, this goes back to um, Eden Gray, and it might even be in Waite, who was the one who conceptualized the deck back in um, 1909, um, was the idea of this being Alexander, who at a very young age had um, just conquered the known world and is standing there saying, you know, whatever we might imagine him saying, but the, the tradition is that he's staying there saying, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, if you put that overlay on it, this being Alexander at that moment between having conquered and being in, you know, what's next at this opening at this gateway where you haven't yet moved through, you haven't taken the chains off. Um, what, what would be, Huh. How does that relate? <laughs> um, 
I, I would say like, like, like that would be very pertinent to me in my current situation. Cause, um, I mean, one, one is just my age, you know, um, I just turned 53 and, you know, I'm kind of, so, and I often think like, what am I going to do with the, the, the remainder of my time on earth, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I, like one of the things I've obviously started doing is this podcast, which was sort of an intuitive invention anyway. It wasn't, it just came out of nowhere really for me. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want to conquer, but I want to create now. So maybe, maybe after Alexander says, okay, well, I've conquered everything that exists. Now maybe it's time to create something. Yeah. So standing in the present moment, but at a doorway of a new choice, new way of expressing something, new way of um, living in the world, which mm-hmm. would be to, to switch the, the focus to creating. Yeah. Wow. Exciting. There's one <laughs> other two card, the two of cups. Two of Cups. You've been avoiding that one. <laughs> That's the last one you're going to talk about. <laughs> well, I, I guess I wasn't avoiding it, you know. Um, I mean, t- I, I am married. Um, so, mm. so far as relationship goes, I, I'm in one that I, I believe will last the rest of my life or until one of us passes away. Uh-huh. Um, I'm happy. I'm very comfortable. Um, there's not a lot of drama in my life. You know, we, uh-huh. we, we we share our life together an awful lot like the couple in the card, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, How does the picture uh, but, show sharing? What is it about um, in, to describe for uh, the listeners? Um, their hands. Okay. To me. What are they doing? Uh, it, they're, they're, it looks like they're going to either exchange cups or hold hands. Mm-hmm. But, but to me, I definitely get a sharing type of feeling from this card. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, one of the features of this card, too, that, that, that does show up, and it's a little bit ominous, unfortunately, is the lion again. Why is it ominous? Mm, because, tell me more. Because I don't want my damn temper to get in the way of my relationship. If there's an wow. obstacle in our relationship, sometimes it is my bad temper. Uh-huh. Okay. And, so and, that's that and, and, and that temper sometimes is caused by the judgment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it just yeah. ties all that stuff together. And then you know, we've got the snakes entwined, tying the whole picture yeah. Together. So they're holding out cups towards each other, reaching out. Um, one of them is reaching out with his hand as if to exchange the cups to hold hands. Mm-hmm. Um, between the two, there's a staff and two snakes going around it, which is similar to uh, the doctor, the symbol of uh, medicine. Right, which I think sometimes um, represents like Kundalini too. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, it actually has a lot of references um, uh, here. So, uh, it's also the staff of Hermes. 
the, mm -hmm. uh, if we go back mythologically speaking. Um, and then uh, at the top of that staff is a lion's head uh, with wings on it. So, and, and also it's very red, the, the lion's head and the wings both yes. are very red. Yes, very in the, uh, Yeah, and the judgment card um, with the angel at the top of the card has got red wings in the, the Rider Waite Smith deck. So it kind of ties in a little bit with that judgment card. Um, um, so the, the lion, the instincts judging in a sense, um, the situation, but we can also see it as a spiritualized aspect of that um, lion um, instinct and power and, and force. So we've got the, um, you know, very physicality that uh, that the animals represent that's been spiritualized also with the snakes, the Kundalini, but it also, uh, the snake is um, uh, a very sexual uh, connotation there. Mm -hmm. um, so it's uh, raising those energies to another vibrational level, which might be a point to kind of consider in um, as you're going into or coming out of a meditation uh, place that um, what is what happens when those um, that anger energy gets raised vibrationally to another level because it's very powerful mm -hmm. it's very very powerful energy um, and yet it's uh, it ties together in some way. You know what? Uh, when we're talking, I'm thinking about this. You know, one of the things that I'm thinking about what is like a chakra meditation, where you have like that. The, you know, it all starts in that root chakra, and, mm -hmm. and that's kind of like that sexual chakra energy, right. and uh, and it's also usually what causes the anger. I think is that as that, it that, rises up to the next level, yeah. the next chakra, uh -huh. which and, is um, that power force, and and, and, yeah. and, and it's all very sort of uh sexual because when i think about like that type of energy and and getting angry like what happens usually after people get angry or fight there's makeup sex mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah because it's all this power and energy that needs to go somewhere mm -hmm. so one of the things with this kind of etherealized image above the two people is can you keep moving that energy up those chakras to use that image um, to a point where, well, traditionally moving up to the heart place. And uh, they talk about core, the, the heart of the lion, um, uh, you know, Leo, the, um, the lion hearted, the, um, yeah. What does lion hearted mean in a sense? You know, the power as it moves up to that heart place, which is where strength, I think, comes from, true strength. So there's all those possibilities and options. So, you know, one of the suggestions I think here for you is how to move that energy up the chakras before it explodes inappropriately or maybe even after, <laughs> in the <laughs> aftermath. <laughs> Yeah. Now, I'm not going to tell you that you have to stop exploding. Um, <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah, and that brings me back to like, 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 too, is that explosion can be 
enjoyable and releasing and freeing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so maybe like me using that word like ominous for the lion. You know, maybe that's some kind of block for me. Mm. Uh huh. Because I did, hear, I, I did that. Maybe I'm, I'm. A, there's a fear or something mm-hmm. that stops me from bringing that energy up into my heart. Uh huh. Wow, something to really work with and contemplate. It is. <laughs> And, yeah. and one of the other common things that I just the common denominator between the judgment, the devil, and the two of cups is the wings. All three of them have wings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So having wings, what does that suggest to you? Free bird. What was that? Free bird. The song Free Bird. Free bird? Yeah, you know, like Leonard Skinnerd. You'll have to explain that one to me because I don't know. Uh, Oh, that song. Yeah, Free Bird. Free is a bird. How connected. Yes. Ah, oh, I just heard the song in my mind. (laughs) It wasn't there before. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's, I think, raising that energy even higher than the heart. It's like continuing that movement upward. Yeah, maybe, maybe if I can raise it. You know, that, that could be a real source of flight. Mm-hmm. Something that can yeah, really take is, me away. The fear keeps you from the realization of what that, um, whatever you're angry about, it's, it's as if that is something really vitally important for you that, the, in Carl Jung's idea, that the shadow keeps you from making conscious. So bringing that energy up and realizing that it's pure energy and taking it through the chakras can have you have realizations at each of those levels as to what is the real impulse or need spiritualized behind that, um, you know, anger. And another thing it makes me think of, too, because I look at wings, I think of flying. And one of my obsessions and one of the reasons I even started this podcast is because uh, a couple of years ago, I had a epileptic seizure, and during the seizure, I was sort of like had an out of body experience. Uh-huh. And ever since then, I've been completely obsessed with trying to have another out of body experience, uh-huh. and, and to recreate that feeling. Um, yeah. You know, I've been obsessed with like out of body experiences, near death experiences, and and, mm-hmm. and all of that. And, and to me, that sort of connects with flight. Mm-hmm. To fly. Um, have you explored lucid dreaming? I have a little bit. I haven't had because much that to- would be, yeah, that would be the main way in which you could get, um, you know, another experience without having to do damage in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's, there's a lot of different things I've been practicing to try. You know, mm-hmm. I, I believe it'll happen when it's supposed to happen. Yeah. You know, it's, it's my journey. My, my job right now is just to experiment and see what I can find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, this has been actually great. <laughs> I love going through the cards and, and seeing them from different experiences. I, I was just working on a blog post that I, I just posted. And uh, one of the other constellations is that of the emperor and the fool and death. Mm -hmm. Three cards that, um, uh, and, and either the, actually death is usually the one that is uh, the, the hidden factor in there, the, the shadow aspect. Um, but um, I was relating it to uh, a music video by BTS, uh, which is all about the king and the fool. Mm -hmm. and death <laughs> and so there all the imagery was played out in this uh, one music video that came out at the um, early this year and started realizing that uh, death is this whole pandemic so it's like by the time I got to the end of writing it I had a whole different perspective on what that constellation stands for and means and especially in terms of um, today's time you know, what uh, is that? In the like, like, um, what, what, well, what you have to explain the whole thing. <laughs> well, a, a brief overview, because it just sounds like you, you, you opened the can of worms. <laughs> you can't leave me hanging. <laughs> um, well, the, the thing that I've always uh, associated with the emperor and the fool, the, the, there is no card numbered 22, but there are 22 major arcana cards. The fool mm -hmm. is zero. And so a lot of people look at the emperor and death as being um, a birth, birth cards, but they don't include the fool in it. What I realized um, and uh, looked at is how many of the great world's teaching stories are based on some kind of dynamic between an emperor and a fool. We have King Lear, we have the emperor's new clothes, we have the Nasruddin teaching stories. And then in Korea, there's a story of, um, uh, an ancient king who um, was being poisoned and um, people trying to kill him. Uh, so he found a double who was a, a low caste comedian. Mm -hmm. And then at some point when he becomes very ill, the, uh, this comedian, this fool is brought in to be the, the, the king, the ruler. And of course, the, the play around assassination attempts is a, a really big thing in there, too, mm -hmm. because who dies, who lives, you know, who's the king who actually ends up uh, ruling the country? Was it the original king or was it the fool who took his place? <laughs> because the original king had been assassinating all the people that he thought was trying to kill him. Mm -hmm. He had been they had become this murderous person. So um, that's kind of the, the, the storyline that can connect um, these cards. And if you think of the fool who's about to step off of a cliff, and I call him divine nonchalance because there's this carefree attitude towards him. And if he does step off the cliff and somehow manages to fall into materialism, then in a sense, mm -hmm. he's died to the spiritual world, the heights, and he's fallen into existence on this material plane the thing that kings fear most is death that their reign will be forgotten that they're so they name everything after themselves in order to perpetuate or pass on to their children their sons you know this kingship in order to be immortal in some way and yet even kings must die when they die they 
according to one thing, they, they go back to their soul essence to be reborn again as the fool falling into manifestation. Mm -hmm. So we have this whole life, death, and what's in between cycle going on. And I just realized that uh, in this music video that um, portrays this king and the fool, uh, the king killing it off everybody, and then the fool, the the peasant in in the music video, um, and it all takes place in uh, uh, in the grounds of uh, the palace, that the actual palace mm -hmm. that would have been there in those times that's used in all the historical dramas, um, and so we're we're seeing this this play of the fool becoming. Um, or having to overcome the murderous king. <laughs> then it gets into a whole Jungian aspect of the shadow and the ego and the persona, uh, because the the king is um, everything that the the singer Sugar uh, or Augusty. He's a rapper, actually. Um, he wanted to become. He wanted to be the king. He wanted to be the top. And in doing so he loses the sense of his original meaning and purpose for being um, coming into music, which is to the joy of making music. And the, as an underground rapper, you know, all the, uh, the things that he was trying to express at that time. And does he lose that once he goes from uh, being this penniless musician to becoming somebody who flies um, uh, chartered planes around the world <laughs> and uh, things that sold out um, uh, stadiums, the largest ones in the world, but they sell out in under an hour. Um, so, you know, do, does he lose himself? And does part of the issue is, do you kill off the thing that you're becoming because you realize it's no longer the true you? Or do you find a way to integrate it? And of course, you're looking at, at in your own thing as, as different methods, which the other cards, other uh, cards in the deck can talk about uh, the integration of these energies. Uh, it's really hard to integrate the fool and the king. They're totally opposites. And uh, so is death the only way, you know, and, but a cycle of death, life and death, is that the only way for this to happen? I end my blog post with this gorgeous picture of um, August D. Actually, his his name is Min Myung Yi, um, at, uh, where he's uh, in Times Square. One of the people who was doing the countdown for uh, the New Year in 2020, the beginning, you know, a year ago, um, just before the pandemic, just before he brings out his this music video. So we're going into this period where death is the real theme. And all these people who, all of us, who looked to 2020 for all the things that we were going to be doing, that suddenly stopped, you know, suddenly mm -hmm. ended. So we're all kind of living in this world where we're facing death every day on some level. And part of it was the stopping of so many of the things that we were doing or the way of doing it. So we're all standing on a cliff edge like the fool mm -hmm. into a new world where we're connecting through technologies that develop super fast and are continuing to develop super fast to link us in new ways 
that we've never been linked before or only vestigially, but now have exploded. <laughs> so it's, uh, and then the new technologies and medical treatments and so on that we're having to develop whenever we have these emergency situations, whenever death is imminent, uh -huh. we come forward with these new solutions, new ideas, but it's a cliff edge of a new world of un the unknown. Right. So I, as, as anyway, you were, as, that was as my... you were talking, you know, I was thinking about, you know, connecting the emperor with the fool. And mm -hmm. when you said that, you know, the fool is on top of the world, it seems like. And in a way, mm -hmm. so is the emperor. But the emperor is sitting in his stone throne. He's not budging. Yes. The fool, he's going to walk off that cliff. He's going to take the fall. And he's yeah. going to have to climb back up. That's what we do. We keep climbing back up to... It's this inevitable thing of climbing up to a point that's untenable because it becomes so restrictive that we have to go through some kind of death to free ourselves, to liberate ourselves. Right. So, so at some point, and, the king has, I mean, the emperor has to become the fool. Yes. You know, he can't stay in that yes. throne forever. But how do we do it? What's the, uh, what does death represent in terms of those transitions between those points? Yeah, and like you said, that's where death, I think, would come in. Yeah. Yeah, that's and awesome. That's such a cool connection. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's all there in the cards. It's a, The cards are an amazing way to look at life and the world and, um, you know, get new perspectives on things that are going on so that we can, we can see ourselves from these other perspectives and have new choices, new options, or sometimes simply hope mm -hmm. in going forward. You know, a nameless hope, which is the fool, the unknown uh, hope, yeah. which is where we always have to come back to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember uh, I had belonged to Boda for a while, and uh, the builders it, of the Adidum. Yeah, uh, and, and 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 they're like always constantly like reminding, like meditate on the fool. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Divine nonchalance. That's yep. those are my keywords. My number one keyword for the fool. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. How can we let go of all the things we hold on to so tight in that a way that we might call divine? I mean, what is it if we're carefree, but it's a spiritual level of being carefree rather than an irresponsible level of it? Do you think there is such a thing as irresponsible carefree? Oh, yeah. <laughs> But that's not necessarily wrong. <laughs> um, again, you know, irresponsible has got its own, um, you know, qualities. That's why we look at youth. You know, there's a certain irresponsibility yeah. in it that is incredibly freeing and uh, comes up with new options. That's where we get um, huge breakthroughs, where instead of taking the responsible route, which has been, you know, traveled many, many, many times, we break free of that. And it upsets, it revolutionizes. And that's the, the thing in the music video it, is it uh, actually talks about the peasant being a revolutionary who kills off the king. Um, and, you know, that's in order to have anything new. Well, the paradigm theory 
says that in order for society to totally accept any new worldview or perspective on things, all the adherents to the previous perspective have to have died off. So that previous perspective is always going to hold on by mm -hmm. the fingertips <laughs> until all of the holders of that, um, you know, die off. And but then as soon as that happens, you know, a new perspective starts. Uh, well, continually, there's a, a continual process of new perspectives coming in, and the battle between the old and the new perspective until all the adherents of the old perspective die off. Could, could, could you have picked a more appropriate day to say that? <laughs> with what's what going on with with uh, the, the voting situation today, oh. <laughs> and what's happening in Congress oh, yeah. today. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that when I was writing my blog post. I didn't mention it because it would have taken us in a new direction. But I was thinking, yeah, the king and um, the fool. Yeah, we have it all in one. <laughs> So I didn't even go there just because it would have opened up a whole new can of worms. <laughs> Luckily, we're towards the end. my uh, blog. <laughs> blog post. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all there this year, you know, 2020, which adds up to a four, two plus zero plus two plus zero. It adds up to four. So it's the emperor year mm -hmm. that we've been going through this last one. And um, so definitely it was part of that whole theme. Read my blog post you know, <laughs> yeah, and, God, and watch the music videos. There's actually two music videos that I referred to. Oh, that's great. And um, to, to see it played out un unconsciously. I, I don't think that, um, you know, Mignongi had any concept when he was creating, writing these, uh, the song Dechita, um, that it was... Um, that he was portraying this archetypal theme that's found in the tarot. Mm -hmm. And yet his words, the, the lyrics, could be the key words, the key ideas used for the, um, the whole emperor fool wow. uh, construct. I mean, he keeps talking about uh, the exact themes of the king, of uh, death, of letting go of the, the fool. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's great. That was I know. I love it. When you talk about archetypes, the idea that these, um, these themes have appeared over and over and over again in cultures around the world in different periods, we're seeing it in action whenever I, I find it, you know, in life stories and the whole political um, issue that we're going through right now in these songs and you know, all of this stuff. It's so exciting because there it is. It's living proof that these themes are core to who and what we are as humans and maybe even more than human beings. Mm -hmm. Maybe it applies even broader than that. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely beautiful. And, yeah. and, I, and I'm glad you were able to bring that. I mean, this, this honestly has been one of the an episode that I've been dying to do. And it just has come out so perfect <laughs> because it's been fun <laughs> because I've done other tarot episodes, but but this one I think we've really kind of captured the depth of the tarot. Like I think a lot of people look at tarot as just a form of divination. They don't realize that it really is an all-encompassing book of who we are. Yes. 
Yes, and a way for us to look in the mirror of who we are. Yeah. And we draw the cards where it's like a mirror of the our experiences that give us that chance to go through those vibratory levels from the mundane experience in the moment to the higher possibility. I hate to use the word higher and lower, but, um, you know, a higher vibrational mm-hmm. energy um, that is involved in it. And it it opens up new choices and options for us. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Um, so before we wrap this up, where can my listeners find you? This place um, is, well, I haven't been keeping up much with my blog. It was exciting to get back to it. So uh, my blog, which is Mary K. Greer, as one word, dot com um, on WordPress. And uh, also I'm on Facebook. So I'm usually at my maximum because I've got a personal page rather than, um, you know, a, a commercial one. And so just look up Mary Kay Greer and it, you should be able to find it pretty easily. Um, so you can follow me on that because I, I usually am at maximum number of friends. Um, I also have an Instagram page, too. Um, mostly I use that for announcements and occasional photographs that I uh-huh. just like taking. Great. Yeah. And, and what I'll do too is I will in in the notes of this episode I will post the link to your blog and I'll also post a, a link on Amazon to your books too so my readers can buy your books. Oh, thank you. Yes, because I've got quite a few books. Yes, you 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 have been an inspiration to I'm sure millions of tarot readers like myself <laughs> throughout the last 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm now 73 years old, so and I've been doing it since I was 19. Um, so, yeah, um, that's what happens when you kind of devote yourself. You find your calling early and give yourself over to it. That's great. Thank you so much for being on today. Well, thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Me too. And just hang on for one moment, and I just have to play the outro. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy T-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise. To support the costs of producing this podcast, click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you love what you listen to, Don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.